grab a Bible, let's go to the book of Leviticus. We're going to talk about infectious skin diseases, blood sacrifices, infectious skin diseases. The book of Leviticus is what I like to call the New Year's resolution buster. Anybody ever had this journey? Don't look at me like you're all holier than thou. I know what you're like. You wake up on January 1 and say, I'm going to read this Bible cover to cover. I am going to absolutely nail it. Then you get through the book of Genesis. That's just exciting. Every single page of the book of Genesis is exciting. We've got creation, the fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph. You know, we've got, we got people running down the street nude. This book is exciting. Exodus, we've got plagues, we've got seas parting in two, we've got the Ten Commandments, the Mount Sinai, we've got Moses the Radiant Man. Then we hit Leviticus. And we would know right there the Bible starts changing pace. You read chapter one, you're like, wow, that was a ride. Chapter two. But the book of Leviticus is an amazing book. Let's go to chapter 25. If you're there, shout yes. Love God, say right on. Now this is how it's going to work tonight. I'm going to preach for 30 minutes. Someone say amen. amen. Or just that's a great goal. Something like that would be good. <laughs> then after that, we're going to give people an opportunity to find Jesus in this house. And then we're going to minister out of this series of messages and give people an opportunity to be prayed for tonight. And I really do believe that God's going to do something amazing in this room and I'm unashamed in saying about the first half of my sermon is going to be pretty much a repeat of a foundation I laid last Sunday morning. But I just know that a lot of people might have missed it and I don't want you to miss the build of this series because I feel like this is not just a series of messages, but it's actually something that every believer needs to know way deep down in the very heart of who they are if we're going to really see what God's got for our city and nation come to pass. And if you're excited about God, say amen. Amen. Verse 8, count off seven Sabbaths of years. Seven times seven years. So that the seven Sabbaths of years, say that three times quickly, seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, seven Sabbaths of years, she sells seashells by the seashore, Amount to a period of 49. Wow, isn't the Bible deep? It actually turns out that 7 times 7 equals 49. Thought you might like to know. Verse 9, Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the 7th month, on the day of the atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim what? Proclaim what? Oh, come on. Say it like the Patriot. Say it like Braveheart. They both have Mel Gibson in them. Say it like Mel Gibson. One, two, three. Because you can take away our land. You can take away our houses. But you cannot take our freedom. The last bit was ad-lib. Okay, the whole thing. I'm so tired tonight, anything could happen in this service. I'm serious. Who wants to watch me unravel? No, no, I'm just kidding. 
It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. Verse 14. If you sell land to one of your countrymen or buy any from him, do not take advantage of each other. You are to buy from your own countrymen on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee. And he is to sell to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you are to increase the price. And when the years are few, you are to decrease the price. Because what he is really selling you is the number of crops. Do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God I am the Lord, your God. Verse 23, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants throughout the country that you hold as a position. You must provide for the redemption of the land. Now let's come down now. We're going to skip ahead PowerPoint guys to verse 39. If one of your countrymen becomes poor among you and sells himself to you, do not make him work as a slave. He is to be treated as a hired worker or a temporary resident among you. You, he is to work for you until the year of, shout it out, Jubilee. the year of, Jubilee. the year of, Jubilee. then he and his children are to be released and he will go back to his own clan and to the property of his forefathers. Because the Israelites are my servants, whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but fear the Lord your God. Maybe you have literally fallen into that trap at some point in your life where you try to do a Bible cover to cover reading and you've got to this book and you've thought it's boring. And if that's ever the case, I would always say, never get stuck in a bad chapter. Keep moving, read on. But tonight, if it's possible, I would love to open your eyes to understand that when you read the book of Leviticus, there are some sacrifices that you do have to make your way through. But in this book, God is literally giving to us a template of a nation. Only years before this book was written, months before this book was written, the Israelites were in Egypt as slaves serving the Egyptian people. They were God's chosen people, but they were slaves. God set them free. He brought them out. And in the wilderness, He is preparing them as they're leaving Egypt. You've seen, perhaps even if you're not churched, you might have seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, or heard reference to it. Moses, you know, parted the Red Sea, and the Israelites went across and Moses, the big guy with the long beard, looks like a member of ZZ Top, you know, with more appropriate clothing. Uh, maybe a member of the Taliban, you know, and he comes out of Egypt and they lead the children of Israel into the wilderness. And God is getting ready to take them into the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. It is a land God promised to Abraham Literally, like 400 years or more before this verse of Scripture was written. And God says, I'm about to take you in to the promise of which I I even birthed your nation around this promise. And when I take you in there, this is the way I want you to live. So in the book of Leviticus, there's like medicine. Doctors are inspired by the book of Leviticus. When God gave them the book of Leviticus, He put them centuries ahead of other nations in relationships to things like infectious skin diseases. What wiped out civilizations of humanity, the Israelites never experienced because God said, I'm going to download medicine to you before anybody understands it. I'm going to stop you from ever succumbing. Isn't God amazing? 
He said, I'm going to put all these laws in place and every single one of them, if you can ever get into them, is really talking to us about something about the nature and character of God. It's an amazing book. Here we discover that there are two things that God did for the Israelite people when he brought them out of Egypt and then brought them into the promised land. The first one was in their coming out. They were slaves and God said, you were a slave. You will be so no longer. I am setting you free. I want you to understand that when you become a follower of Jesus... What it's really all about is the fact that when you and I, uh, uh, before we know Jesus, we have desires and passions that some of them are harmful and hurtful even to the very course of our own lives. But the Bible says that what you serve, you become enslaved to. So when we serve sin, we become enslaved to it. When we, come, when we serve God, we become slaves to Him. But we're slaves to righteousness, slaves to the God who set us free. So God has set every single person who has a relationship with Him free. The Israelites were set free from slavery. You and I, when we find Jesus, are set free from slavery. They were brought out into the wilderness and the first thing that they got was their freedom. But God said, there is a second thing I'm going to give to you. You're going to go into the land of Canaan. We're going to divide it clan by clan or tribe by tribe. And then amongst the tribe, we're going to break it up into family lot by family lot. And each family is going to have their own family land. This land will be passed down from generation to generation. In other words, you got firstly your freedom and secondly an inheritance. Every single person who knows Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their lives is given two things. Number one, your freedom. Is there anybody in this room who's been set free by Jesus? Go ahead and give him some praise if he sets you free. I think that's fairly significant. And number two, if you have been set free by Jesus, he has also given you an inheritance. An inheritance in him. The children of Israel were given their freedom. They were given an inheritance. They were led into the promised land. And God literally said, you are now free. You now have something with which to start. That's what an inheritance is. It's a starting point. I'm believing to leave an inheritance for my children and my children's children. An inheritance is a starting point. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You are given it. And in Jesus, you are given your freedom and you are given an inheritance. How many people are grateful for a God who gave you a starting point in life? Something to go forward with. You don't have to make it up on your own. He gave it to you. Man, that's, that's amazing. And as they entered into the promised land, God said, you're free. You've got an inheritance. Now go for it. It's yours. Make the most of it. Plant some crops. Grow some herds. Would it grow? I don't know. Shepherd, multi, I don't know what you do, but you have a herd. I'm not a farmer. But you know, breathe. They bred some herds. They grew some crops. And many people were blessed. They increased. They had favor. God was with them. How many people are grateful for a God who's for you and not against you? But how many people know that some people, a lot of people did well, but not everybody. 
Because my friends, we live in a world where not everything goes the way you want it to go all of the time. The truth is, some planted crops and those crops failed. Some people were just, you know, overly ambitious, made investments, tried to leverage themselves and something went wrong, an economy changed, a global financial crisis, I don't know. But in the middle of their lot in life, everything goes pear-shaped and they came to want. Some people just made bad decisions, just stupid decisions. One decision can cost you a lot. Decisions shape destinies. Your life is being shaped by the decisions that you make. And some people made poor decisions. Some people just had things go the wrong way. Ill health. Sometimes there was alcoholism, difficulty. I don't know. But stuff set in and people rather than experiencing blessing and favor came to lack. When they came to lack, the first thing that they lost was their land, their inheritance. They lost it because in order, if you have an excess of bills that is greater then the amount of resources that you have, you have to take the deficit from somewhere. So the first thing that went was the land that they owned. They'd have to sell that. And then if their, if their debts exceeded their lands, then they would sell themselves. And God said, not as a real slave, but you are going to be sold into slavery. Indebtedness to debt will all, indebtedness to debt. When you are in debt, there is always a form of obligation of being held in. The word mortgage literally means mort, mortuary, means death. Gauge is the word grip, death grip. In other words, it is a, a hold over you. Nobody's encouraged by this today. I will let you know I have one. But I want you to understand real clear tonight that whenever you are in debt, you are in a form of a hold. It has a hold over you. So they would end up enslaved and without an inheritance. People whom God had set free ended up in a form of back where they were. And many people in our society feel exactly like that. I don't know what it is that caused them to get there. There are people in this room today who are even saying in their life, made some kind of bad decision, had some kind of bad moment. We're heading off on a destiny in life, but then something began to rip you off. Maybe it literally is just a series of poor decisions. Maybe some kind of event. And it's very easy in life to start off feeling like you're free and you've got stuff and you're moving forward, then to find yourself suddenly in a place where poor judgment, harsh circumstances and failed risks have literally taken you back to ground zero or worse than ground zero, indebted with nothing, no opportunities, no success. And there are literally people in our world and in our society who feel that over them is just a massive ceiling and they're where they are and they can never break free. I mean, man, when you've got something, you can do something with something. But there's only one person in all the universe who can do something with nothing. And that's the God that we serve. Come on. And when you've been brought back to nothing, it's a horrible feeling. To think that you can't really do anything with nothing. God can, but we can't. And over their lives was this feeling of permanency, desperation. 
I mean, we find this even in our society. We find one generation's born into welfare. There's abuse and neglect. Kids are born into it, raised in it. Listen, the truth is that that's all they expect from life. Then another generation comes along, or maybe a person just had something, got reduced backwards. And it's very easy to feel that over your life is just a sentence like nothing is ever going to come of my life. But what an amazing book the book of Leviticus is. Because God said, I bought you out of Egypt, I set you free. I'm bringing you into Canaan. I'm giving you an inheritance. And listen, for some it's going to go well, but God is real. He says literally, for some people it's not going to go well. Some because they're foolish, some because they're greedy, and some just because we live in a world that is flawed and failing and bad things are going to happen to good people. So God said, you're going to come to this point, some of you, where it's going to feel like there is no tomorrow over your life. But this is what God says. He says, every 50 years, this is my law. My law is that every 50 years, you're to count of seven times seven. That's important. Remember that for later. You're to count of seven times seven, 49. And then on the 50th year, you are to announce jubilee. The word jubilee literally means to blow the trumpet. Sounds like a rooster, doesn't it? I'm trying, you know, I'm trying, I'm reaching out. Joy overflowing. I mean, I'm having a go, you know what I'm saying? You're to blow the trumpet. And there's, we, got a, we got a picture tonight of a man, I don't know, maybe he was 25. He goes, man, I've planted a few crops, it's going well for me. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to borrow money. I'm going to, I'm going to go beyond. I'm going, to, I'm going to plant new crops with borrowed investment. I'm going to leverage my business. I'm going to put myself right out there. 25, two children, a wife. And then, and then he kind of got a little bit greedy. He tried to do what was beyond. He got a little bit of taste for the increase. And then one crop didn't work out. But now he's got nothing left, nothing in reserve. He put everything out in the he thought he was invincible it all came to nothing his own bitterness causes him to have a go at his wife to beat on his children and his wife and his kids leave him and now we've got a man who started life full of potential now finding himself in a place where he's a hired hand on somebody else's farm and the increase he brings in doesn't go to him but goes to the guy that he owes the debt to And he's thinking, how am I ever going to break this cycle? I reckon there's somebody in this room saying, how am I going to break the cycle in my life? The cycle of debt, the cycle of addiction. I don't know what your addiction might be. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's smoking, maybe it's pornography, maybe. I don't know, but it's, it's some kind of thing that we're just repeating the cycle. It's Groundhog Day. And the guy's in the spot and God says, hang on a minute, you might be in that spot, but there is going to come a day, my friend, when the trumpet is going to sound. And God says, my plan is that when the trumpet is sounded, it's an announcement that it's the 50th year. And on the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, all debts are canceled, all land is restored, And every slave is set free. 
What an amazing thing to think you might have been indebted, but now your debts are cancelled. Not just that, but the land that was given to your forefathers is given back to you. Your freedom is restored to you. And at some point in that young man's life, he gets a second chance. And we call that second chance Jubilee. See, church, what I want you to understand tonight is that we serve a God who created a system of government for a nation of people, His nation, where He said in the very fabric of the way my people are going to live their lives is going to be this concept called Jubilee. When I think about a God like that, a God who said you could stuff up your life, greed could ruin your life, circumstances could come to your life, sickness could derail your life. But we serve a God who said there is going to come a moment if you will just hang on, when the debts will be cancelled, your freedom will be restored, opportunities will come your way. You're going to have something to leave to the children who come after you. How many people are grateful for the God of Jubilee? Anybody in this room grateful God will give you a second chance? Come on, a third chance. A God will restore your dreams back again, your hope back again, your promise back again, your potential back again. Come on, can you give that God some praise tonight, Arise? That He is the God of Jubilee. Shout it. Shout it. He's awesome. He said, I'm going to give it back. You're going to get a fresh chance. And somebody in this room tonight simply needs to know that that's an amazing concept. And if that was all it was, it would be amazing, awesome, inspiring to be encouraged by it. But in Isaiah 61 verse 1, it's coming up on your screen. The prophet prophesied and said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to impoverished people. Next one. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim what? To the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So God says there is going to come a time when people who are grieving, who are mourning, who are poor, who are captive, people who are grieving, who are mourning, who are poor, who are captive, people who started off in the course of their lives full of potential, but then suffered loss and they came to poverty, ended up enslaved to their own debts and desires, who are mourning the lost opportunities in their life, who are grieving tragedy in their world. I'm going to come to them and I'm going to give them something different. I'm going to preach good news, freedom, healing, I'm going to give them a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And in the middle of it all, it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
this passage of scripture was written to the Israelites who understood what the year of the Lord's favor is. Maybe you're in this room and you've read that story, that passage and been encouraged by it. Great. But let me take you a little bit deeper in your understanding of what the Bible is literally saying. It's not just any year of the Lord's favor. The Israelites knew what you need to know tonight. And that is that the year of the Lord's favor is the 50th year, the year of Jubilee. And literally God is saying the year of Jubilee is coming. But it's going to be more significant than what you've experienced so far. Then in Luke chapter 4, the Bible tells us Jesus got up in his own hometown to launch his ministry with his first ever sermon. And the text that he chose, they handed him the scroll of the book of Isaiah, but he fast forwards through the first 60 chapters. I mean, that's a lot of pausing. If you ever preach, you know, Levi will tell you that the worst thing that could ever happen is you're standing in the pulpit to minister and you can't find the place in your notes where your next point is. Because it's kind of like a second feels like an hour. You've seen a preacher do this. It's an uncomfortable silence. And the Bible tells us Jesus is up there and he's scrolling. I mean, I got an iPad, I can go, Jesus, he's scrolling. A literal scroll. There's no mouse clicking here, people. Don't miss this, you young people. This is scrolling through a literal scroll. And it's not, it's not a web page, it's a scroll. And he goes through 61 chapters before he reads out his text. Reads out the verses I read to you. And in Luke 4, verse 21, he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Because it's one thing to lose your freedom in the sense of somebody owns your body. It's another thing to have someone own your soul. And Jesus said, I'm not just going to free your body. I'm going to free, see, I'm going to free, I'm going to free the eternal part of you. This is not just economic jubilee. This is eternal jubilee. I'm going to set your soul free, your spirit free. I'm going to make sure that the devil is never going to enslave you again. But you are literally going to be brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Come on, give him praise tonight. Somebody give him praise because he'd just been set free. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ Jesus has set us free. He came to bring not just an economic paradigm. See, these laws were written for Israel and we live in New Zealand, but of greater consequence than what your mum and dad leave you or what you leave to your mum and dad is where you go when you die, what God has access to do in your life. And I want you to understand that what Jesus is literally saying is I'm coming to bring into your life a freedom that is much greater than who you work for. It's a freedom that is literally going to set you free from from sin, from death, from the harmful tendencies in your life, from sin itself, I'm bringing you into my freedom. Not only that, but your debt is cancelled in Jesus. 
And this year, the year of the favor of the Lord, it doesn't come once every 50 years, but it comes every day of your life, every moment of your life. That Jesus' jubilee is available every day of the week and every month of the year, you and I have been brought out in a jubilee. We're free in Jesus. We're set free from our sin. We're set free from death. We're set free to be who we want to be. And every day, He's giving people back potential and promise and a second chance and an inheritance. He's saying, man, nobody starts any day with nothing to go for in their life. You've all got my promise. You've all got my hope. You've all got my love. Oh, man, the banks may have bankrupted you, but God's going to bless you. Come on, addiction may have robbed you, but God's going to free you. I'm here to tell you this morning that our Jesus is the God of Jubilee. He is saying that every person in this room can have a second chance. Every person here can have a brand new start. Every person here can wake up knowing that there's no cap over your life, that nothing in your past is going to dominate your future. It's Jubilee. It's Jubilee. We have the ministry, 2 Corinthians says, of reconciliation, that God is bringing the world back to Himself, not counting their sins against them. See, a lot of people want a Christianity that's kind of like, God forgave me, but I kind of carry it. And God said, no, don't diminish it. I gave you back a new set of opportunities, a new future, a new promise, a new life. Come on. Something may have failed in your past, but tomorrow is your jubilee. God turns our weaknesses into strengths. Not our weaknesses into slightly weaker than. Our weaknesses into strength. He liberates lives. He fills hearts with a future. He'll give you a second chance and a third. Jubilee revolutionizes the way that we think. In fact, Christians don't even like it because it's kind of like you're letting God out of the box, people out of the box. What? We're going to trust everybody? We're going to give them a second chance? That's exactly what I'm preaching to you tonight. Is that He is the God of the second chance. He is looking for you and I to embrace this concept of Jubilee. The religious struggle with it. Because it's kind of like, hang on. And I reckon in the church, we have too many Christians who are like the older brother of the prodigal son. Check out this prodigal. He's young, he wants his freedom, and he wants his inheritance. What is this coming to? And literally the son says, give them to me. Let me go and make my own way in life. And he falls a victim to his own desires and ends up at the end of his time without any money anymore, indebted now because of his sins, his his folly. And he is literally feeding to the pigs their food and wanting to eat from it. And he says, man, I am going to go back to my father and ask him, would you give me a job? Would you make me a servant? 
a hired servant, literally the highest form, like a slave, in an, but an Israelite. So he's literally saying, I'm not a foreigner. You can't enslave me. The Bible says you can't, but would you make me a hired servant and give me a job? In other words, I'm like a slave in my father's house. But I want you to understand that the father in the passage is our father in heaven and the prodigal son is you and I. And it doesn't matter what folly we made of yesterday. See, it doesn't matter what folly led you to your current problem. Learn from it. Move past it. But I want you to think about God this way. When you come back to Him, the Son says, would you give me a job? And the Father says, no, 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 not a job. Bring the ring, put it on His finger, bring the sandals, put it on His feet. Let's have a party. He's saying to the prodigal, I'm not giving you a job. I'm giving you jubilee. And I want you to understand, my friend, that what God is bringing to your life and to mine is not a job. We're not hired servants. He made us sons and daughters. He bought us jubilee. He set us free. And there's no place for the older brother saying, hang on a minute, but I've been holier than thou my whole Christian life. Yea, verily. I goest thou unto church every single week of the month. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. And God saying, no, hang on a minute. It's all about everybody having a chance for a new set of opportunities. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs a fresh take. And I don't know what you're blowing. I don't know what you messed up. I don't know what you feel is permanent over your life. What I do know is that when you run to the Father, He gives you freedom. It's your jubilee. Come on, bring the band up. It's your jubilee. It's your jubilee. It's your time of freedom. It's your time of freedom. You've got your sonship back, your daughtership back, your inheritance back, your tomorrow's back, your potential back, your blessing back. God came to this room. He came to your life. He came to this world so that you could have a jubilee. So that destinies could be restored and promises could come alive. So that life could know his freedom. He came to bring us jubilee.